I'm generally pretty accommodating. So yeah, I've watched a few of your uh, interviews just to get a feel for it. Make sure I didn't, you know, ask anything that was, you know, stupidly naive. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is intended, like I said, this isn't a hard hitting interview. This is going to be just more of a chat. I'm going to have a little fun with it. No worries. It look, this is my Friday because I work Sunday through Thursday. But yeah, I'm I'm at that point too. It's like I could have taken a nap, but I'm afraid if I did that, I was going to sleep through something. Yeah. It is winter in the Pacific Northwest. The sun goes down at 4 p.m. and we all try to enter hibernation. Gotcha. Yeah, we're actually planning on coming your way um, May. Just your, really? Uh, Why? Yeah. Um, just the fact that we've got, uh, A, some stuff to uh, use up for credit on Southwest, and B, we have hit almost all of the states at this point in our lives. Uh, Washington is one of the few ones I haven't hit yet. Well, it's beautiful up here. And May is a good time of year to come. It's generally reasonably sunny, and it's not unpleasant. Yeah, the uh, the credit ends, uh, I think, uh, actually, I take that back. I take that back. July. We were originally going to go in May. Uh, that was a different vacation. But yeah, we had to use the points up by July, so that's where we're going. We had some free credit from a Southwest flight that got canceled. July can be a little more iffy. Um, we did not have heat waves here until the last couple of years because, you know, we broke the planet and all that shit. And so we no do. one conditioning. <laughs> but yeah, actually, I'm from Phoenix. I don't think the heat's going to bother me. We will have to see if I melt, though. Yeah, so the problem is not even Humidity. necessarily will bother you. It's that because our buildings are not built in any way to accommodate the heat... It's unpleasant in a different way than Phoenix in the summer. Yes. What are you snoring at over there, bud? <laughs> what are you snoring at? You're the reason I'm so yawny. Thomas is just over there. Oh. Yeah, I definitely see now why you named one of the cats Severity, by the way. Oh, yeah. If we currently have Elsie, Verity, and Thomas. Uh. And then to have Alice. Okay, I was about to say, I thought there was two of the white cats. Uh, the other white cat's name is Tinkerbell, and she is my mother's. I uh, gotcha. So I knew I'd seen Tinkerbell around. Yeah, the split down my in my house is kind of encrypted characters and Disney characters right now. My mom's two cats are Tinkerbell and Hercules, and then I have Verity, Thomas, Elsie, and Megara. Um, and Meg is my shelter cat, and she was originally supposed to be a companion for Hercules, but Hercules did not like her. Ah. And my daughter has named her dogs Remy and Rogue. And as a, okay. a Marvel fan, I'm sure you can figure out that connection. Yep, a little bit of an X-Men <laughs> fan there. Nothing wrong with repping your Rogue. But yeah, I do I'm love those dogs, especially Remy. Uh, poor, that poor dog. He, that dog goes away. I know you got to get you wait wait for it, but... He's he's gonna take all of us with him when he goes. That's all there is to it. I love that dog to death. That's fair. Even if he doesn't live with me. <laughs> Sometimes it does not matter. Like I saw a cute tweet today. That, uh, somebody had said something about the fact that if you post your cat online, just know that I do have an emotional attachment to it. Oh yeah, that is actually one of the better awful things about the internet age is that I am parasocially attached to cats that I may never see again or have not necessarily ever actually seen in the first place. So I get stressed out sometimes with friends.
was so weird. She just thought that was so out of place. And she ended up calling, had a wellness check. And somebody had actually broken her mom's house and had her at uh, captive. Wow. Here's some weird news. All right. So here we go. Time is up. Um, anybody who's hopping on, obviously, I don't need to introduce the person I'm talking to because you are all here for her and not for me. Oh. It, it, it is the Duchess of Dungeons and Dice. We'll have to see if that sticks. Uh, Sean and McGuire. Hopefully I pronounced that correctly. I've been doing a lot you of practice did. on that one. 20 points. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to start out here with just a little bit what I like to call the pre-ramble, uh, mainly because my wife says I ramble. If you're watching, down in the below, there's a, a thing you can click on about. It's going to have the links to griftkin.com. That's going to let you know uh, who all is going to be on and when. Uh, also, any of the other things I do, TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, it's all there. Um, I'm also going to be giving some shout outs to, and Seanan as well. I believe I, I gave her a heads up. I always give a shout out to uh, at least one independent bookstore. Uh, this will eventually go on YouTube. There will be links for that as well. Basically anybody I talk to, I am not sponsored, but I do like to give a shout out. If I mention something, there'll probably be a link in it. If you're watching this on YouTube, there's probably going to be links to Seanan's as well. All right. So... Get started. Well, actually, this thing, I didn't actually have it on my list, but I did notice I don't think I'm going to put you on a spot on this one. You're obviously a little My Little Pony fan. I am, yeah. I am not a brony. I'm not going there. But I do know you've got Rapunzel. And my understanding is that Rapunzel is kind of the holy grail for those. She, she is the single rarest U.S. distribution pony. She was a mail order pony toward the end of the line. So you only even knew she existed if you were still collecting My Little Pony actively. And you could only get her if you had collected a certain number of horseshoe points from the back of My Little Pony packages. Uh, her name comes from the fact that her hair is super long. This Rapunzel's hair is in fantastic condition, though she is about to go off to my pony salon lady who is going to brush her out and detangle her so that she is exactly as she was when she came out of the package. And uh, she, is kind of the, she is kind of the holy grail of North American pony collectors. I am still overcome that I can touch her. Like some, she's sitting next to my computer. Sometimes I just reach over and touch her because no one can stop me. Well, number one, I do like the fact that you mentioned how, how she was gotten or, or how you could get her because I didn't know that. But I'm also old enough to remember little flag points on the back of my G.I. Joes that you could save up and send in for stuff. But it was actually going to lead me to the fact since you've gotten her, I always hate the word gun because it doesn't sound like it's a word, but I use it anyhow. Who is your grail? Who's left? I know you said you have almost all of them. So I have six pages of ponies left to get. Um, my favorite common pony is a pony named Posey. And Posey came out in year three in the United States and year four in Europe. And she is a yellow earth pony with pink hair and pink tulips on her butt. And I don't know why I love her so much. I just always have. Uh, but like many early ponies, she was released in different versions all over the world. So the posy, the pony, the posy from America was released in what's called the posy pose. That's literally the name of her pose mold. Uh, Rapunzel here is in the quackers pose. We named poses after the first pony released in them. So posy's in the posy pose, but the Argentinian version of posy was released in the collector pose. Venezuela had Posey released in a variety of different uh, body and mane color combinations, that sort of thing. And uh, in year four in Europe, I firmly believe that I have proven the existence of a Posey variant that no one has confirmed. 
Uh, her name is Blum Chen. She is the German version of Posey. And rather than having pink hair and tulips, she has white hair and tulips, like the Peruvian version of Posey. But she doesn't have the Peru hoof stamp. And the reason that I think this is so, even though it's the fading pink hair, is the number of white-haired posies that have shown up on the European market who even on close examination have no traces of pink inside the pony where the sunshine couldn't have gotten to the hair. So my holy grail at this point is a mint on card Lunchen. I'm looking for a German posy mint on card. Gotcha, all right. We are just as deep down the well of Moonbats here <laughs> in my little fandom as any other fandom you wanna come up with. Which is total, I mean, we all have ours. As many people that who know me will attest, I probably have. I'm missing only one Funko Pop minion, so. Yep, there you go. It's uh, it's it's a little weird. But I don't count some of the variants. I don't want the metallic guys. I don't need the blue and the dark guys. But That's fair. Else. All right, I got, uh, I'm just going to th send out a question real quick. I see Taryn180 joined us. Aaron, can you do me a favor and just let me know when I tried pulling this up to see what's going on the screen, it looks like for some reason I'm cutting off half of us. Can you see the whole, whole picture like I can see when I'm looking at this or is it cutting off the, the bottom half of our heads there? And if I'll wait for them to respond to me, hopefully, and then uh, I'll keep going here. Um, no worries. Let's see. We did talk about the fact briefly before we get started here about the uh, Marvel and I'm not going to go into ask you any questions uh, specific about how you feel, uh, but I did want to ask you, and I let you know this ahead of time, since I know you're a huge Emma Frost fan, and obviously at least one person, I think maybe two people now, have played her in the uh, in the movies. Okay, cool. So he can't see mine. My, my okay, that's just my screen that's messed up. Then perfect, so they can see it the way it's supposed to be. Shoulders up. All right. Who, if you were going to do? an X-Men movie, knowing that they're sucking it into the MCU now, who would you want to play a current version of Emma Frost? So uh, kind of depends on how old they want Emma to have to be. Like, do they want to have a Krakoan Emma Frost? Is she a mature adult? Do they want to have a first class age Emma Frost? Is she coming in as one of the new younger X-Men? How are they doing this? Because that does impact my answer. I think it's gonna be the older one because if you've seen any of the trailers for the new Doctor Strange movie, it does very much appear that you hear Patrick Stewart's voice yep. at one point. So I would think then, they would have the, I mean, unless they're gonna bring Rebecca back for it. But if it was there somebody- Rebecca Longjam was never Emma. Oh, that's right. She was Mystique. Yep. My bad. I would actually go with Anna Torg then. Oh, okay. I think she would be freaking fantastic if she's playing a mature adult Emma. Yeah. Uh, she's so good in Fringe. She is still severely underrated. And I just like to see her getting work in the MCU and getting that level of, of you know, visibility. Gotcha. Then I'm going to have one more question before we move on to the books, just because I saw this and I was curious about it. You said in one of your interviews that 127 is your is your favorite number. And I know you get a thing for prime numbers. Obviously, it's a prime number. Is there something specific about 127 that you particularly pulled that one out? I do like that it's a prime. But when I was 15, I went to a weekend-long gaming convention. And uh, my boyfriend at the time was with me. And we were in a prisoner LARP. And we all got assigned prisoner numbers. You know, you are number one. I am number six. And he was number 127. Nice. 
Does he know that's why it's your favorite number? I have no idea. I haven't spoken okay. to the man in years. I just wonder if every time he sees that, is like, yes, she still remembers me. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. All right. So obviously, and the fandom can forgive me for a second while they figure out where I'm going here. Um, you are a horrible person, and I'm going to explain why in just a second. I started reading with, and I keep trying to mess up the name, but I know it's Middle Games. Every time my brain wants to say Middle March, it's Middle Games. That was my first introduction to you. Oh, and I congratulations. was so happy that, uh, now of course I don't have it in front of me. Seasonal Fears, is that? Yep. Okay. So I was really, really, really hoping to get my hand on an arc or something so I could talk about that because, like I said, I got to start with Middle Game. And since that didn't happen, uh, you know, they, they didn't let me get a copy of that. I went ahead and picked up your latest one at the time that had come out, because I believe Spelunking Through Hell just dropped. Is that right? Uh, Spelunking Through Hell drops in two weeks. Two weeks. Two okay, weeks. almost here. So I picked up Where the Drowned Girls Go. And that's all I was going to do. I was going to read that. I was going to come up with some questions. I was going to talk to you. But then, even though... Let's face it, where the drowned girls go, probably not your target audience. I fell in love with Sumi. Oh, good. So, me being OCD and anal about books, I had to get book one and mm -hmm. start over with that. So I did manage to finish this up. And I finished this up a little too early. And since I'm also a huge fan of cryptids, I saw that you had the Encrypted series, and as I mentioned earlier, I have started reading now Discount Armageddon. So if nothing Yay. else, I'm keeping your cats fed. Um, Thank you. They so hunger I, frequently. So I, have, I have spent almost all of my extra time reading the last couple of weeks just your stuff. And it's not even to ask questions anymore. It's just because I love the books. Um, Thank you. And I actually do have to apologize to a coworker. Her name was Rachel. That I used to work with because way back when we did middle game, she told me, and I want to make sure because you've got a lot of books. Um, I want to make sure I remembered which one she was talking to me about. Uh, Beneath the Sugar Sky is when yes, she told is... me I was supposed to start reading this uh, Wayward Children series and I didn't jump on it. And so now I've got to read it all. I've got to play catch up. A little bit, yeah. So, um, Speaking of the Wayward Children, I did have a couple of questions because that's the books I started with here. When you started, I know that we're, we're on book, and don't quote me on this, is it seven or far? Yes. Seven. Okay. Did you have in your mind, I know you've got the cardinal directions, you've got some of the, especially even in book one, you had some of the worlds, you know, kind of an idea what they were going to be. Did you have an over all arc of okay these are going to be the worlds these are going to be the cardinal directions i've got all, all these plans in my head or as each story has come out have you thought okay now i need this world to tell this story so most of the worlds not all of the worlds but most of the worlds that we've dealt with were introduced in book one um i think the only world that we've really had any focus on that didn't come up in book one is cora's is the trenches mm. and uh, we find out about the trenches in book two so that was again very very early um and that's less about oh i need a world that is x so i can do y and more about i want 
as many different worlds as I can get to show how broad this universe is. Because people will accept anything in the beginning. When you're first starting out a setting or a franchise, if you say every Tuesday the moon turns to green cheese and it rains cows, people are fine with that. That is part of how this world works. But if you don't say it on book one, even if you think that's the way things are supposed to work, when it comes up in book three, that breaks the suspension of disbelief on your audience. So I have been trying to get as many different kinds of world kind of front loaded as I can. Mm so that people will accept them. Uh, the one thing I do regret is I have not yet been able to bring in a good Magitech world. We don't have a really strong, people would recognize it as a science fictional world. The closest you get is kind of the Moors, which are much more of a horror world than purely science fiction. But science fiction is absolutely within the rules that the doors allow. It just has to be a science fiction world that also has some kind of magic in it. Okay. Yeah, I was just, I was wondering how much of it was mapped out before you even started on book one. We kind of joke that I'm a vending machine. If you say, okay, give me X, I will sit down and I will grumble at you and then I will give you X and it will be 15 books long and have a coherent world. Oh, nice. I was actually, it was kind of funny because I was actually teasing Brian a couple of weeks ago. Um, and I've known Brian a while for this. So it's not like I'm just, you know, randomly picking on people. It's like I was giving him a hard time. It's like, you put out four books this year. What are you going to do? And then I started doing some stuff for you. And I'm like, you only put out four books this year. What are you doing? It's like, you, you, you kick out some books. Um, you are a very prolific writer. Uh, and the fact that I, you find that having the different series makes it easier because you can kind of move from one question or, you know, from one thing to the other. Or is it almost more difficult to keep all those worlds straight in your head as you move from story it's to story? It's definitely easier. Okay. Um, in the very beginning, I was doing two October day books a year. So mm. one every six months. And that was emotionally exhausting because, you know, I would hurt the crap out of my imaginary friends. And then before they had any time to recover, I would hurt them more. Um, and it just, it was not fun. And so I was concerned about burning myself out and switched over to having also encrypted um, at the time, I was doing a lot more of the Mira Grant stuff, so I was still doing the Newsflash trilogy um, and then Parasitology, so I had that as a distraction. And now that I'm not doing that as much, I've got the Wayward Children. But it's very important that I have different shows that gotcha. I can watch. And as for keeping them straight, you know, most people watch more than one TV show, but you don't expect the characters from The Big Bang Theory to wander out onto Grey's Anatomy. You've got to have a specific storyline to do any sort of crossover. And, yep. And, you, and you've got to do it just right so it doesn't look like you're just making a crossover to make a crossover, which I totally get. Yep. Um, handles are obviously hard sometimes to pronounce. I'm going to go ahead and try to do this one. A Malari 9. I apologize if I said that incorrectly. Just had a quick uh, comment here that I thought was, uh, you know, touched on this. They said the Wayward Children series is a soul-crushing delight. And Aww. she also said, I said, Alex will pronounce it right, apparently. <laughs> Just wanted to Yay, share that good with for you. you. All right. Um, so, and I said this one tongue in cheek, and you already know this is coming. How does it feel to be nominated for no less than five Hugo Awards? You know, at a certain point, I think. 
yeah, I, I have been nominated for more Hugos in a 10-year period than anyone else ever. Um, it's great. It's a huge honor. It really does feel like getting everything you wanted when you were a teenager because I've been a part of science fiction fandom my entire life. You know, just the idea of one Hugo nomination used to be something I would lay awake at night thinking about. And it's also really tiring because yes, it's an honor to be nominated, but at a certain point that is just kind of rubbing salt into a wound. People keep thinking that because I'm on the ballot all the time, I've already won. <laughs> and I've had people tell me that, oh, I was gonna vote for you, but then I figured you'd win in this other category. So I didn't vote for you because I thought it would be nice to let somebody else win for a change. It's like, well, I never win. You, you did win three of them. You've got three. I've won twice for fan cast and I've yep. won once for writing. Uh, but compared to 23, that, that is a lot of, of sitting in uncomfortable chairs, breaking my date's hand, waiting to see if they ever say my name. And yep. some, you know, you commented on the fact that I write pretty fast. I sometimes feel like that works against me. Like there's a feeling of, oh, it's Bob's only chance, but Shannon will be back next year. I can see that. I'm not saying it's right, but I can understand where somebody's coming from. Yeah, but that doesn't work forever. But at least you've won. You're not the Susan Lucci of Hugo Awards. I am not quite the Susan Lucci of Hugo Awards. I'm just, I'm real tired. And any complaining at all is seen as being ungrateful. I am very grateful. I am phenomenally grateful to this, to this community. Um, and just, I deeply, deeply appreciate the honor I've been shown, but I'm also real tired. I am a person, mm -hmm. you know, and I'm allowed to have person feelings. You can only smile so much for everybody else. I mean, I, I yeah. understand that. I, I, I swear like the Oscars and stuff, they just love catching somebody who forgets to have the mask up for a second when somebody else wins. Oh, we had one year where they actually were panning cameras over the audience looking for the people that had lost at the Hugos. And I have rarely been that incandescently angry at my community because it was just like, y'all, we are not professional actors. Mm -hmm. You know, human Muppet. I have very poor facial control. Um, I, if I am not actually behaving badly, if I am just sitting in my seat having a quiet moment of sad, I don't want that to be screen capped and thrown everywhere as Sean and McGuire is an ungracious loser. Like I haven't had a chance to be an ungracious loser. I'm still in my fucking seat. I just look at it this way. Can, can you have a moment? Not that you're not happy for the other person, but can you have a moment just for the fact that you've been sitting there this whole time and just that emotional, whether you win or lose, just that emotional, okay, I can let it go now. Uh-huh. Like give people a beat, let people catch their breath. Exactly. This last um, Hugo, this last Hugo Award in uh, in DC was I I did not enjoy it. Um, they were not enforcing masks well at the Hugo reception, and I was very stressed out as someone with, you know, medical conditions that like there are people just wandering around basically maskless. This is not okay. Um, but uh, my girlfriend, who is one of the most tolerant people on the planet. Filled her bra completely with Magic the Gathering collector boosters. And every time I held my hand out throughout the Hugos, she would just pass me a pack of cards. Oh, I get it. 
there and open another pack of cards. It was great. Although I was really waiting for that story with this, like she filled them full of extra masks. Here you go. Here you go. No, I, I was already wearing two masks. I didn't need any more. Um, but uh, but just having an endless supply of collectibles mm -hmm. throughout the Hugos was a delight. And I think we're going to do that from now on. Now, did you get anything really good, though? I, think I has did. I got an extended art foil Chandra dressed in flame. Well, there you go. If, if yes. only they'd panned for you at that exact moment. Oh, I would have been the happiest person at the goddamn Hugos. I did find it, and I use this term lightly, I did find it a little funny. As much as you've been nominated, you've been nominated in novel, novella, bandcast, or, you know, podcast. The fact that you had at least a dozen books under your belt. Was it a little odd the first time? Because your first win and your first two wins actually were for the fan cast. You know, it was kind of great. Um, okay. You you can probably tell by by listening to me, by talking to me. I am I am a human muppet. I am a very enthusiastic person. I love the things I love. I'm excited about the things I'm excited about, and I have no fucking shame. Not at all. <laughs> the SF Squeakcast was just straight up a podcast that was talking about things that we enjoyed. It was not these things are perfect. It was not these things are above reproach. It was these things make us happy. I don't have... And for every episode, we would all bring something that made us happy. Gotcha. Yeah, I, looked, I actually wanted to listen to the whole thing. Oop, I'm sorry. Did we freeze up there for a second? Yeah, we did. You lost okay. me. Sorry about that. Um, I actually wanted to go back and listen to all of them, but I found that at least on iTunes that there's only like 30 through 39 or something like that are actually currently able to listen to. Um, but that did bring me into another segue, uh, and I don't have my schedule in front of me, but I do have another member of the Squeecast scheduled, uh, and I was talking, cool. she hasn't responded, but I talked to Bear the other day, and I'm like, so should I ask you whether or not when the Squeecast is coming back together, but she never got back to me on that. Elizabeth Bear you know, coming up. I, well, I don't think that we're opposed, but we kind of shut it down for a while because it was a lot of work yep. uh, for something that we were doing for free. And Paul had just had a kid. And uh, since then, you know, Kat has had a child. Um, Lynn and Michael's kid are, they're dealing with some, some health issues there. Um, I'm a lot busier. I think a lot of the, the barriers to a reunion are just time you know, and dealing with the logistics and the labor of it. Right. I was just thinking maybe we could get like, a, you know, a special edition because I do, I did listen to the last one and you guys talk about the fact that it's going on hiatus. And mm -hmm. that was about seven years ago. So as you know, just, just to come back to her, maybe just a one-off. But yeah, I'm, I'm not going to put you on the spot and make you answer that right now. I just thought well, it was kind of funny I when I found out that you guys were both on it. Like, I, I do not have the authority to give that answer in any sort of a definitive way. Um, I don't think any of us are opposed. Like, we didn't stop because we had all decided to secretly hate each other. We just ran out of time. Children will do that. I, I can confess to that. And I say that because yeah. I know mine's probably watching because uh, I've raised a family of readers, uh, They especially sci-fi fantasy. They, they do love it all. In fact, uh, I know both of my kids have told me now that I have it, they're going to steal uh, every hearted doorway uh, from me as soon as, uh, now that I'm done reading it. Awesome. Hello, awesome nerds. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, I have a little bit of here just in case I missed something. And of course, anybody watching, um, I know there's a few of you out there. If anybody has a question, we will definitely try to get to it. This is not just a straight interview. 
this is a back and forth, so feel free to throw your questions out there. And again, feel upset about not getting seasonal fear. I'll get over that. I'll have to read it. Aww. I'll have to read it like everybody else when it comes out. Um, oh, that was the question. Uh, getting back to middle game. As simple as it was, I absolutely loved the cover for middle game. Oh, it's so good. And I was just asking you, you are also an artist. Mm-hmm. Uh, when it comes to these, like some of the covers, do you have, how much say do you have in it? And have you ever been actually been able to get your art on a cover? I couldn't really, I tried looking that up and I couldn't find it. So I have never done the cover of one of my own books and I don't want to. Okay. I am a cartoonist. My particular art style is not currently graphically competitive. And I am very out of practice. I have not been keeping up with things and you lose muscle memory. So it would not do the books a service to have me do the cover. Um, that being said, how much control I do or don't have depends on the publisher. Gotcha. Uh, is in your contract, whether you get cover approval, whether you get you know, cover input. Uh, Tor.com, which is the people that did middle game, I get to approve the final cover, but it's almost the final cover by the time I see it. I have very little actual design input. Um, DAW, I can give a lot more. And DAW is more that classic style of fantasy cover. Um, you know, one of the things we were discussing starting out is that I advocated for Ali Fell, who does the covers for the encrypted books. Like I really fought to get Ali. I think I mailed half of his website to my editor, just being like, look, this is the art style I want. And, and I, I adore his work. It's very iconic. It works very well for those characters. Uh, but uh, I love the cover for Middle Game. It is not the cover I would have designed. It's probably honestly a lot better than the cover I would have designed. The only thing I, the only complaint I had was I don't like the fact that they split the title of the book up onto two lines on the cover because it's middle dash game. That's not the title of the book. It's one word. Yep. I, I think I saw you say that somewhere. Middle game, all one word. And I said at the time that that was going to cause me grief. And I was being, um, I was being overly picky. No, I mean, it's your book title not going to be a problem. I'm like, no, it's, it's going to be a freaking problem. And it has in fact been a freaking problem. So, uh, this proves that I am smart and you should listen. <laughs> uh, so actually somebody had a timely question too. I got James Mender in here and you can probably Hi, answer this question for him. I never quite understood the title of the first several books in the encrypted series. Were they all a play in the last name price or is there something else going on? They were basically a play on the last name price and they were all about getting something that you really don't want at a price so affordable that it feels like you have to take it. Yeah, there, there's a lot of us that act like that. It's like, I don't need yep. this, but it's on sale. Exactly. I don't, I don't need an apocalypse, but look how cheap it is. Exactly. Yeah, it's actually a kind of funny. I, I, I won't give a name, but I do know somebody one time that I was in their house and I opened up a drawer and there's like 12 of those like little... Ju like juicers where you take it and you squeeze it in the middle of the mm -hmm. thing, you know, a hand juicer. I'm like, how much juice do you drink? It's like, but it, I don't, but it was on sale. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it gets you. All right. Um, middle game. And I could be wrong. I did try to do a little research. I tried not to totally embarrass myself, but if, now that, uh, now that seasonal fear is coming out, and I'm not counting letters to the pumpkin King. Um, 
do you see yourself actually ever writing a standalone standalone? I don't think you've written a standalone. You can let me know if I'm wrong. Alien Echo is a standalone. Uh, how did I miss Alien Echo? And uh, I'm pretty sure that Deadlands Boneyard counts as a standalone. Dusker Darker Dawner Day is a standalone. Um, that's about it for fiction. I don't, so I used to say that everybody's brain works the way that their brain works, which sounds reductive, but is, is really just kind of, you don't have a choice. You're not getting a vote here. And my brain works in series. That is just how it goes. I don't like to leave my friends. Which I get. You know, and people will complain to me, oh, you're so mean to your characters. You must love the tears of your readers. And I'm like, my characters were my friends before they were your friends. The first person that cries when I kill someone is me. I don't do it for the shock value. I do it for the story. And unfortunately, sometimes the story demands sacrifices. I don't think you have that tension if there's not always that chance. Exactly. Nobody's ever going to read a Jason Bourne. Sorry, Brian. Nobody's ever going to read a Jason Bourne book going, is he going to die this one? <laughs> it's just it's not going to happen. Um, second of all, I know now not to ever use, I've always used book series in order to kind of figure out when, you know, I was like, I love this book. I got to read book one. Uh, they did not have any of your books listed as standalone. So I, I'm going to have to be a little more careful using them as a, as, they're great for book series, but apparently they don't always keep their standalones uh, separate. So I do yeah, apologize. No. I did not realize those books were standalone. That is okay. Also, most of the Mira Grant novellas are standalones. Uh, Final Girls is a standalone. Kingdom of, oh God, Kingdom of Needle and Bone is very much a standalone. It was a standalone before the pandemic, and now it is like a super ultra mega standalone. Not following um, up on that one. Got it. Huh? Because you're not going to follow yeah, up no on that one. Up. Got it. No follow up. Uh, I... I love that book. I I definitely would like it if people bought that book because every time you buy one of my books, you feed my cats. My cats are very large. I enjoy it when people feed them so that they don't eat me. Um, but, oh, I cannot recommend reading that book right now. I, I can't, I can't, I can't. Um, but uh, Kingdom of Needle Moan is definitely a standalone. And uh, In the Shadow of Spindrift House is a standalone. Okay. I don't think I also, I didn't do quite as much uh, look into the Mira Grant ones. I do know you right into that. Uh, mm -hmm. Many of those are Mira Grant, which is probably why you managed to miss them. Gotcha. All right. Um, Jess Geek Mom wants to know, what made you want to start writing for younger readers? I love sharing my authors with my 12-year-old, and we're both loving the Up and Under series. Well, have you read Middle Game? So if you read Middle Game, um, it is extremely central to the plot that uh, a woman named Asphodel Baker wrote these books set in a fantasy world called The Up and Under that were roughly contemporaneous with the Oz books. And uh, there are excerpts of the book, of the first book, all throughout Middle Game, of Over the Woodward Wall. And then when you get to Seasonal Fears, which is the follow-up to Middle Game, there are excerpts for along, from Along the Saltwise Sea, which is the second book in The Up and Under. And uh, Middle Game did better than anyone expected it to because it's a weird book. I love it. I it like is, that book. I'm just saying that. It is probably my favorite thing that I've written, but explaining it is sort of like asking someone to sign up for being hit with a stick. Like, it is a confusing, confusing premise. And so nobody really super thought that this was going to be the big breakout hit. 
Um, and so when Middle Game did well, they were like, well, we don't know if she's going to be willing to write a sequel, but look, we've got this built-in series of children's books. Perhaps she'll do that. And um, as a total nerd, the idea of getting to do an postulatory text, of getting to make a fictional book real, was too appealing not to go along with. So that is why I'm doing those. And that's also why they're by A. Deborah Baker, because in universe, she is the one that wrote those. And uh, I have to stick to the conceit that these are Asphodel Deborah Baker's books being published in our world for some inexplicable and horrifying reason. I actually knew that one, but then you knew I loved middle game. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, so what else we got here? Uh, got uh, do, 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 do. Kingdom of Needlebone is definitely a Mira Grant joint prescient horror. Yes. Prescient? Kingdom of prescient. Very upsetting. One of those words that you read, but you don't always say aloud. I think it's prescient. Mm -hmm. okay. It's prescient. Okay. Yes. As soon as I said that out loud, it's like, we can edit this, right? Oh, wait, I'm live. Never mind. All right. What else do we get going here? Oh, I did. And I kind of alluded this to you earlier, but uh, as we mentioned, Splunking Through Hell is coming out. Um, again, I didn't get a copy of that either. I'm just kidding. Uh, in March. And I was, I mentioned that uh, you'd mentioned a couple things and I'm going to tell this, by the way, anybody out here who's watching, go to Sean and McGuire's website at some point, you have the best bios. My <laughs> website is direly out of date. I know, but I love your bios. Go read your bios. Uh, Cause I, I'd actually got part of this out of there is the fact that with all the books that you've got coming out, uh, I'm beginning to see why people don't think you sleep. There's, I don't you, nearly you, enough. I mean, the, the TV you watch um, and the fact that I think you may actually be on Twitter even more than I am. <laughs> it's like you, you cannot be getting enough sleep. That's all there is to it. All right. And just just geek mom, just geek mom. I did want to say I read middle game when it came out and I'm going to have to read it again. Looking for those bits. Thank you. Aww. All right. And then what do we get here? Genetics 777 reading kingdom of needle and bone last year was a wild ride. Yeah. yeah, no, it's, um, it is certainly a thing I wrote and, uh, I, I stand by it. You know, I am very proud of that work. Uh, my virology is extremely well-researched. I'm glad we don't actually have to deal with Morris's disease. And, uh, as I have said to many people since the start of all of this, the thing I got the most wrong is I was too optimistic. I, like most of us, I thought that presented with a clear pandemic, the human race would react with something resembling decency. Um, I was wrong, but uh, yeah, too optimistic. And yet even then, Kingdom of Needle and Bone is not that optimistic. The quarantine islands are necessary. The real optimism is that once they are discovered, people don't blow them to hell. Yeah, I think we more almost have to do an opposite one where the, the people who actually care about other people and want to stay alive kind of create their own anti-quarantine. It's like, this is where you go if you just want to let the other people do whatever they're doing. Mm -hmm. All right, let's see if I had anything else off the top of my head. That was something you just said reminded me of something. I cannot remember what it was. Uh, oh, that's what I was going to say. With all respect to the rest of the clouder of cats you have going on over there, I do have to say I find Elsie to be the prettiest. 
Well, it's because she is Elsie. Elsie, do you want to? That cat is adorable. She is a superb owl. Yes, very much so. Come here, baby. Yeah, I see you. She's looking at me, but she is unwilling. Uh, yeah, I think some people who might have followed you before are all hanging out. Uh, Seven Magpies just yelled owl, and Malari said, best owl. Yeah, she is the best owl. She is a very good owl. Come here, baby girl. Genetic, a beautiful owl. Okay, you're all going to make her feel bad. I swear I'm getting more comments about the cat than we are about the books. Come on now. Oh, no, that won't make <laughs> me feel bad. Every... So uh, I do a lot of conventions when the world is not now. Um, and uh, one of the conventions I enjoy the most is San Diego Comic Con. That is kind of my home convention. And every year they will put together a couple of science fiction panels that they put us on. And it's not normally a matter of you get to meet these people and talk to them ahead of time. It is you're all just sort of thrown at a panel. The topic is, is whatever. And you go up and down and everyone answers the question. And a couple of years ago now, uh, we had a moderator who decides that the best question he can put before us, the question that we will just truly enjoy answering is, why should people buy your books instead of anybody else's? What makes your books the most special? And my response was, when you buy my books, you feed my cats. I'm sure all of these other books are wonderful and joyful, but at the end of the day, my cats will eat me. And I don't want to be eaten. So Elsie's big enough too. So you know, hey. Oh yeah. I mean, Elsie is 19 pounds. She is a good girl. So you did segue into something that I hadn't thought to ask you about. Um, actually, my daughter and I had talked about San Diego Comic Con. I know it's opening back up this year. Yep. Uh, we have decided we're going to wait till that first year back explosion is out of the way. Knowing where we still are, do you see yourself going to that this year? I have no idea. Okay. The situation changes too quickly, honestly. What? You know, I did uh, I did Worldcon, and a lot of people were very judgmental about Worldcon, about the folks that chose to go. But th that commitment had been made before Omicron was a thing. That commitment had been made, and it wasn't just the financial commitment and the professional commitment. It was, I am a member of fandom in the organized community going sense. I have been since I was a teenager. And fandom is very much a found family situation for a lot of people. So you get folks that have kids that raise those kids going to conventions and that raise those kids with a wide flung network of honorary aunts and uncles and uh, other adult figures in their life that are not related to them. Well, some of my kids, uh, one of my nine-year-olds, one of my 16-year-olds and a couple of my seven-year-olds were all going to Worldcon. Their parents were taking them. I had told them that I was coming for them. And so when the, uh, when the cases started to skyrocket, but the convention was still going on, I basically just checked in with all the parents and said, you know, are you still going? And since they were still going, I could not fail to show up for my kids. Gotcha. Much as I wanted to, you don't tell a nine-year-old who has been on lockdown for two years, who has been good this whole time, who is watching adults not give a fuck about her survival. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm too concerned about my own health to show up for your mental health. You know, and, and that is a choice that was a luxury of mine to make because I know people whose health is delicate enough that they couldn't have made that choice. But I showed up for the kids. And um, 
I would not have if not for them. So if things are better under control by the time we hit San Diego, or if we're back to where we were pre-Omicron, I probably will go. San Diego is very good for my mental health. It is restorative in a way that makes no sense given the scope of the convention. And I have been every year that there's been a San Diego since I was 16. So. All right. So actually, briefly segues into something that uh, somebody mentioned here that I thought was very important. Um, James said that feed helped me learning how to live during an ongoing, never-ending outbreak, and he wanted to thank you for that. Thank you. Feed helped me a lot. Feed also made me very sad. And so people who had read and loved that book and who I thought understood the basic principles of quarantine turned out to not understand the basic principles of quarantine. And that just broke my heart a little. Yeah, th let's face it. If, if the last couple of years hadn't happened, I wouldn't be doing something like this. I've uh, mentioned to you before, I used to work for a bookstore um, here in Omaha, and they get a huge uh, number of authors coming through. Uh, before that, I actually worked for a chain that used to drive me crazy because I was working for this big chain, and every time an author came to town, they went to the bookworm. But finally, I decided I had to get a job there. I totally miss author events. Um, there's just that there's something about human contact, obviously. Um, that A is not allowed right now, but uh, B is very important to people. Yep. Um, you were somewhere uh, in Middle America. Yes, yes, I was. <laughs> but yeah, I I loved those, and that's kind of why I started doing this. Um, I to bring this up is just because I love having the conversations with authors. Just be able to pick their brain uh, and, you know, also allowing other people to do that. Uh, slight thing, because we we're just talking about feed Malari. Uh, ah, I cannot. These handles. I say as I have a handle called Griftkin. Um, but yeah, <laughs> these handles are just hard to pronounce. It throws me off a little bit as I'm jumping from one to the other. She said feed Verity. So, uh, yeah. So remember, buy Shannon's books. Uh, as a reminder, this will eventually be on YouTube, and I will have a link down to some of Shannon's recent books out down there. Uh, but yes, we do need to keep feeding the kitties. Uh, okay, now this one I'm not going to guarantee. I'm going to try it. Hope I get it right. Uh, Koshlas or Koshless. Not sure which one that is. Will I ever be able to traumatize children with a don't go out alone picture book? I would love it if that could be done. Um, I wrote it at one point. I wrote the whole book. And we did go looking for someone uh, that wanted to publish it. We have not yet found them, and the parasitology books were not a massive hit. So, you know, I don't know. I would really like it. I may eventually just get bored and kickstart it. I don't know. Actually, funny you say that. I was just about to respond to you. I was like, I see, I see your first Kickstarter going now, but uh, you, yeah, you, you beat me to the punch. 90% of the stuff I do is just because I got bored. Fair enough. And hey, it's working out because a lot of people love 90% of the stuff you do. And the other 10% is My Little Ponies. So well, it's and dice. Let's not forget the dice. So oh, no, people dice. love the dice. All right. So anything else? Obviously, we also know you're a huge Dungeons & Dragons fan. Um, I am. If I remember correctly, Tiefling? Yep. I primarily play Tieflings because they are My Little Pony people. I got you. All right. I tried checking in with my kids just to see what they said, and I think one uh, is always an... Elf, whatever type of elf, doesn't matter. Some sort of elf uh, magic user, and the other one, they played humans. That's all I remember. Sorry, son. Okay. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I had to Somebody's get a little bit of Dungeons and Dragons in there. Exactly. I, you know, I, 
people always say is like, why do you play a fantasy game and pick a human? I always love picking a human, not because I am a, obviously a human, although my children might say obviously was not the correct word there. But, you know, they never have any bonuses. You know, they are the, you, you start almost at a disadvantage to everything as a human. So I've always appreciated that. Um, oh, James also had a question here on a possible lighter note. I keep seeing references in various places to you and corn, but I don't get the joke. Is it something that can be explained? So I am uh, one of the children of the corn. That is is partially, you know, partially my calling. Um, I have a card case around here. Some, there it is. So you get to look at my keyboard for a second, my various dice. Uh, <laughs> but uh, so I'm a big Stephen King fan. And Children of the Corn, when I was younger, I looked like one of the Children of the Corn. I was uh, unnervingly blonde, you know, that whole thing. And uh, this is a magic card that Kay Arsimov had made for me. It's Sean and Mother of the Corn. They, oh, nice. uh, legendary creature, human warlock. And I will, I will give everything you have forest walk, so you're just screwed. And part of it is that I believe, I truly do believe, ridiculous as it sounds, that everyone has a useless superpower. You can't fly, you can't flip cars, but maybe you always get the money parking spot. Or maybe the milk never actually goes off in your house. You're one of those people that opens a carton of milk three weeks past eight and it still tastes fine. Whatever. Everybody's got something. Um, I have two. My two things are I can get tickets for anything I want. And uh, I can teleport in cornfields. Oh, nice. And that's a big exaggeration until you go into a corn maze with me and realize that I am 40 yards away and walking behind you somehow. Um, I am the scariest thing in the corn. No one is sure why that works. Everyone thinks I'm exaggerating until the first time they go into the corn with me. And then they frequently don't go into the corn with me a second time. Um, but that is my big useless superpower is that in the corn, I can teleport and where I'm going to teleport to is almost always directly behind you. All the better to sneak up on you. Let's face it. Yep. I have never forgiven Chuck Wendig. We went, we did a convention, uh, together where the opening ceremonies involved several buckets of raw eggs. And at the end of the opening ceremonies, the people who were conducting it let me have the raw eggs. I asked nicely, and so they gave me several buckets of raw eggs. And this convention was happening in a hotel that butted right up against a cornfield. And so I tried to convince Chuck to go into the corn with me and have an egg fight. And he would not have a raw egg fight with me in a cornfield, which is just a fundamental lack of understanding of what fun means. I think, is he trying to lose the friend card? I mean, come on now. You would follow me into a cornfield with several bucks of raw egg, wouldn't you? I, yeah, I would probably follow a lot of people into a cornfield with a bucket of raw eggs. Yeah, I said, we can take our shirts off first. I don't care if I get egg on my bra, but I won't ruin your clothes. Egg is good for your hair. We will have a lovely time. Just oh, I definitely need to go into a cornfield with some raw eggs then. That's all there is to it. There you go. <laughs> all right, so we've covered the corn. Um, yeah, I think my wife would probably say that my superpower is just to be able to get electronics to work that she's been fighting for an hour, but only by standing there, not by actually doing anything. Yeah, that is not an uncommon superpower, honestly. As soon as I walk over there, it starts working, and she's just like, you're staying here until I'm done typing. Okay, fine. 
Yep. All right. So since I did not get seasonal fear, I don't have a whole lot of other questions going on. Oh, but I'm, I'm just going to give some. Uh, it's going to be red. Ver Verity will be fed. Um, so anybody else? Uh, we've had her on here for about 50 minutes. See if we've got any. <laughs> Milari also said my husband has that make the tech magically work by walking past it power. So. Elsie. <laughs> But uh, is anybody else, while we're still got her on, we've, we've tied her up for a little over 50 minutes now because I did have her hop on early just to make sure everything was working. Oh, anybody got I any don't questions? care. Well, yeah. I'd just seeing if anybody else had some stuff they wanted to talk to you about. Let's see. I actually have to say I was slightly confused at first just because of the way you titled it. When I first saw Spelunking Through Hell, you had down at the mm -hmm. bottom, uh, I think it was a guidebook to the underworld. I literally thought, when, just by looking at the cover, and I know you're not supposed to judge a book by either its cover or its movie, I thought that was going to be like your... Um, oh, there's another Tough one. Tough Guide to Fantasyland. Kind of, because I know that you're also writing a book for some comic universe where it's the guidebook, it's kind of the history of or something like that. So I yeah, thought it was I'm supposed to be a nonfiction fiction. No, I'm writing the official history of the Overwatch universe right that now. That was the one that I was trying to think of, yes. Which is... Amazeballs. I am so happy that I get to do this. Um, you know, she says with a big editorial call tomorrow that she's trying very hard not to think about because, oh, it's going to be a headache and a half. Um, but uh, it is such an honor. It's so exciting to actually get to work in these franchises. I started out in a fanfic. I love doing licensed IP work, even though I don't own it the way I own my own crap, just because it's a gift. You know. By the way, if anybody knows Allison Hannigan, I would love to get Allison Hannigan on here reading your fanfic. I, I would love to see her reaction to that. I haven't that read your fanfic, but I have heard what it's about. So that is not a kind thing to request. <laughs> oh, come on. That would be that would be a little fun. I actually think she would enjoy it. From what I've seen of her, I don't know her. I'm just projecting there. Um Genetic, by the way, says I have minimal knowledge of Overwatch, but I'm so intrigued by this. Not going to lie. I got to write a giant robot war. The Omnic Crisis. Exactly. And as a 50-year-old guy, I hope that I understood what NGL meant. I, I think it's not going to lie. That's what I'm running with. Yeah, that's not going to lie. Okay. Yell at me if I'm wrong. <laughs> um, what else was going to say? Oh, shout out to anybody who might ever see this who's working at Marvel. Let her write a book. With Emma Frost. I'm Give not, me back my girl. I don't want you to write it right now because I will be honest with you and I'm not going to ask you any questions because I don't want you to get in trouble. Get in trouble. Yeah. But as much as I am a huge X-Men fan, I don't, I don't care. The Avengers have been great in the movies, but I was always an X-Men fan from the get-go. I hate this no matter what happens. I don't know if... The comics are out. Is is there, what's what's the uh, you know you can't spoil a comic right now, but it's usually about three weeks for okay. print. Then then I'm um, good. You're talking about the Krakoan era. Uh, the well, the whole like basically no mutant can die right now. They just yeah. bring them back over and over and over again. Yeah, it does kind of take some of the tension out of things just a little bit. I mean, yeah, we went from House of M, where we pretty much eradicated almost all the mutants, to now no more mutants. we just bring them back. And don't even get me started on Moira McTaggart. No. I love House of M. It is 
going to forever, I think, be my gold standard for X uh, storylines. Just that kind of hard AU is my catnip. All right. And I don't think I can possibly spoil this by saying this, but if you haven't read, I think it's called Inferno, which is the current series going on, because you're going to find it out on page one. They have decided to retcon Moira McTaggart as a mutant. After, after all of these years as just being a human sidekick, almost, she is now a mutant, and she apparently can't die. Well, she can't. Well, they didn't do she that. In, they dead. didn't do that in Inferno. They did that in um, in Dawn of X. Oh, is that when it started? I just jumped yeah. back into it with Inferno. Uh, I have a, enough money I can buy books or comic books, and let's face it, comic books these days for. 30 to 60 pages is about the half the cost of a paperback at 300 pages. So the books usually win for me. Yeah, that's fair. I jump in when I can. Um, but yeah, I just jumped in an Inferno and I'm like, wait, what? How is Professor X alive? <laughs> what happened? What have I, what have I missed for and, and for how long? What have we done? Exactly. This, uh, just once, and I know it's gonna. Some people are gonna be upset about it. Just once, I'd like to see a superhero die and stay dead. I thought Superman was a little over the top, but then when they did it to Captain America, it was just like, okay, now, now, now you're just going crazy. I mean, that is the danger of uh, of existing intellectual property is that you do kind of get yoked in a certain way to the status quo. You don't know how long you're going to be able to buck against it. Hey, here we go. Duh, oh, uh, yes, thank you. I, I do remember now that is the name of her tiefling character. Uh, Malari wants to know, does Kelpie have a specific set of dice when you play her? Yes, she does. She has several. Sadly, they are all in the other room um, because the table is still set from D&D this most recent time. Uh, but I have a set of dice from Firebolt dice that are actually... She she did a thing last year where you could send pictures of your characters, and if she liked them, she'd make dice, and then you could buy them. So I own dice that were inspired by Kelpie that I use for Kelpie. Oh, nice. And I am currently rolling Vaporware, CYMK Dark, and 80s Kid, all from Dispel for her, along with the Pumpkin Dice Latte and Ecto Cooler from, Di uh, from Dice Envy. That actually does uh, bring up a question I had from the last interview I watched of yours. Um, I don't know if it's the last one, but one of your more recent ones where you actually showed off the card catalog. Um, mm -hmm. And I know you had a name for those. I can't remember what they're called. They're the twins. Their names are Will and Rowan. Gotcha. Um, you've got all those sets of dice in there. Do you have a dice filing system? I do. Dice are filed alphabetically by color, and then colors are divided by basic, clear, glitter, inclusion, metal, and other. I don't currently have a subset subcategory for stone because I don't have that many stone dice and most of my stone dice have cases. These are just the uncased dice. Gotcha. And I won't ask you if you have any knuckle bones because you know I'm afraid to know the answer. <laughs> and then Will and Rowan are both Gaylord card catalogs from the 1970s. That was like the Gaylord card catalog. That's what I was trying to remember card catalog, but I couldn't remember it was the Gaylord. Mm -hmm. I actually have three Gaylords. Uh, Precious is in my dining room, and she is full of doll accessories and D&D minis. And then Will and Rowan live in the My Little Pony room, and they are full of dice. Gotcha. Oh, yes, the My Little Pony room. I saw that on one of your interviews as well, too. Uh, so that 
court or excuse me that segues into magi cat hopefully i pronounced that right wants to know what do you mean by other in your dice i mean anything that does not fit one of the pre-existing categories so you know blue for example i've got blue metal but then i've got blue other well other could be blue wood it could be blue uh, stone it could be blue other i don't know okay yeah i think and i think that's what they're obviously you had the colors and stuff but you were just and that is because people keep coming up it is genuinely mind-blowing how many new ways people have come up with to make dice and you have frozen i don't know if i'm still here at all now you're blinking okay yeah no i'm having the same thing it's like uh, every once in a while i get a little bit of a freeze between you and i that's what that's why i shut up completely i'm like oh she's still talking (laughs) so yeah, other can mean anything that's not one of the categories. Nice. Oh, purple is also a category because pearlescent dice are very common. Gotcha. So, you know, looking at dice on my desk right now, this would be uh, orange pearl because it is a pearlescent orange D10. This would be uh, pink clear because it is a clear pink D10. This would be black glitter because it is a glittery black D10. And then this would be, oh, this would also be pearl. This would be red pearl because it is pearlized. It's just a little more subtle. Right. Okay, I'm going to give everybody just a minute here to think, see if they have any more questions before I let you go. Um, so I will do my post ramble real quick. And then if somebody throws in a question, I will pop that out. Okay. Uh, please feel free to hit the follow down below. As again, go also go ahead and click on the about. There's a link to griftkin.com. That'll show you everybody's coming up uh, in a couple of weeks. And I don't have the dates in front of me. I know I've got at least evens. And then a couple of weeks after that, I saw that in the last one too. Um, a couple of weeks after that, I've got Jen Lyons as well. Um, but yeah, that'll get a list for that. Oh, okay. Subliminal Cat wants to know, what race would you play in the cryptid RPG and will you, or encrypted RPG? And will you make the encrypted RPG? Will I make the encrypted RPG? No. Can someone license encrypted to make an RPG? They should contact my agent and I would be ecstatic. I very much want to move into RPG space and have been trying to for some time. Um, If I were making a character to be played in an encrypted game, um, I would probably want to play either a dragon princess or a cuckoo. I, I admit, I love my cuckoos. They are so messed up, but they are my sweet baby children, and they have never done anything wrong in their lives, except okay. they have ever done. As much as I appreciate the dragon princess, I see you as a cuckoo. I'd be a great cuckoo. The whole telepath, the whole camouflage, the whole collecting things. I mean, I know the dragon princesses are collecting things too, but they're collecting from the dragons. Uh, I see you collecting the stuff for yourself. I can totally see that. I do. And Malari threw out Flump Friends. Yes, this is one of the cloister of flumps that lives on my desk. I currently have five of them on the desk. I've got a pink, blue, and green from the figurines of Adorable Power. And then I've got a couple of flumps that my friend Jim in Illinois painted for me. I've got a blue and a pink up top. The flump is a friend. It is the only creature in the Underdark that should be trusted with no compunctions. They are the floating pancakes of love. I like that. Floating pancakes. I want the chocolate chip cookie one. That's all I'm saying. All right. All right. So uh, one of the things I always do to follow up, and I'm actually going to mention two this week, since uh, anybody who actually swung by knows that I totally screwed up the audio last week. 
as people are asking questions, I know the audio is working this week. Um, but when I talked to Brian Freeman, who of course is up in Minnesota, uh, he's currently, he's writing the Jason Bourne books, if that helps anybody. I know this is probably more of a sci-fi fantasy group. Uh, he mentioned Fitker's book, book uh, as an indie book, Fitker's bookstore up in Duluth. Uh, so I'm going to give that little shout out to them and I'll give them a link since uh, nobody actually got to hear him say that last week. Obviously, I'm going to give a shout out to the Bookworm Omaha if you, or Bookworm. Yeah, the, the website's Bookworm Omaha, but the Bookworm in Omaha. If you're in Omaha, stop down by 90th and Center. Uh, pick yourself up a book. John has got a few of them there. I may have bought a few of them from there. Hopefully there's still some left. And then Seanan, if do you have a bookstore that you like to give a shout out to? So I am in uh, the Seattle, Washington area. I am actually quite near Brick and Mortar Books, which is over in Redmond Town Center. Okay. And Mortar Books is a local independently owned store. But more importantly, for purposes of shouting them out, I am going to be dropping in there during release week for Spelunking from Hell, for Spelunking Through Hell, and just signing whatever stock they have. So if you want to sign book, that is who you can order from right now. Man, I'm not going to I'm not going to Washington till July. Uh, we'll have to see what's available. Uh, apparently, somebody's familiar with that Seven Ish Magpies just said brick and mortar books. Yay! <laughs> yes. So nice. Well, she has driven me there, so oh, I got you. So, so, so you brought your own fan? I see that. Nice. I didn't bring her; she brought herself. <laughs> no, we appreciate it. Um, did, and give everybody a second. Anybody else have anything else going on? Any other questions? Queries, conundrums. I know you've done a ton of them these weeks, uh, or the last couple of weeks. Uh, the books coming out, more books coming out. Books, 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 books. Lots of books. All right. Okay, so I don't think anything else is jumping out at me right now for questions. Okay. So I'll probably go ahead and let this wrap this up. Want to thank you very much for stopping by. Oh, oh, Malari had one question. Did Tink stolen dice ever show up? No. Again? Tinkerbell is a bad kitty cat, mostly because she has no shame for what she has done, not an ounce of shame. Um, for those of you who don't know, I have four cats. I have Thomas and Elsie, who are both Maine Coons. I have Megara, who is Candy Corn. And then I have Verity, who is a rag doll. My mother has two cats, Hercules, who is also a Candy Corn cat, and Tinkerbell, who is another rag doll. Tink is the only cat with upstairs downstairs privileges. I live upstairs. My mother lives downstairs. Tink migrates between the two at will. And she's been stealing my dice. She's been picking them up in her terrible little kitty cat mouth and taking them away. Where has she been taking them? I don't know. I have gotten down on the floor and looked under every piece of furniture with a fucking flashlight. I have run yardsticks under things to try to hear if anything rattles. Nothing. I don't know where those dice went. She took so many dice. She took at least eight because that's how many are missing from the sets from my Black Oak Workshop advent calendar. And I don't know where they went. I can't find them and it makes me very sad. And they haven't shown up in the litter box. No. <laughs> oh, man. Well, maybe you already have a cuckoo in your house and you just didn't know it. Maybe. That is how they work. <laughs> All right. Oop, uh, Genetic just said, I just recently finished Alien Echo and I just wanted to say that it was a both a delight and absolutely terrifying. Oh, thank you. My favorite thing about that book is the people who pick it up, look at the cover, which says Alien Echo, and has the alien's egg reflected in Olivia and Viola's eyes. So it's got the logo of the movie. 
and then merrily go on to read this sweet queer romance without realizing that they have picked up an alien book. And, and that is the happiest email I receive on a regular basis is just people going, what, wait, what, what, oh, and yelling at me. It's kind of a joy. Gotcha. Hey, sometimes you just, you just need to get under somebody's skin. You can make people happy, but sometimes the other reactions are just as fun. All right. So, like I said, it is about 10.05 now, and I guess I'm talking... Yep. Ah, oh, and Genetic said, I knew what I was getting into, kind of, but it went directions I wasn't expecting. I just liked having to figure out how to describe a xenomorph when people had never seen a xenomorph, because this was explicitly a colony world that had not had any contact with, uh, with the Weyland-Yutani mission. They didn't know about xenomorphs. They didn't know about Ripley. And that's why they're fairly consistently referred to as knives that hunt. Because trying to figure out what do they look like if you have nothing to compare it to and it's trying to eat your face. Yeah. Is, I mean, the queen maybe had a, you could go a little octopus maybe with that head, but yeah, there's not a really good good description yeah. of one of those. But I didn't have a queen. What I had was several workers. Uh, and uh, those are, are just kind of cutlery that has come to hurt you. All right, I got to share this one. Genetic just said, the description of knives that hunt will live rent-free in my brain forever now. Yay! Thank you. <laughs> but yes, I am, like I said, I am playing a lot of catch-up now. Um, obviously, I haven't read any of the Myra Grant stuff, but... Mira. Uh, I, sorry, Mira. Thank you. Appreciate it. Um, definitely, I'm going to finish Wayward Children, and if Discount Armageddon ends as good as it started, I am probably stuck on this series as well. Yay, uh, welcome. Well, thank you. We appreciate it. Like I said, I always love a good author. Um, some people, just to let you know, uh, and other people who may be watching this, I'm not just asking authors on here to ask authors on here. I am always asking authors that I have read and have enjoyed. Uh, I've known Brian Freeman for a while. I read Immoral. Uh, I read the, the last book that he put out, the Ursulina, and the one before that. You, I had read Middle Game and absolutely loved it. That's why I reached out to you. Um, so you're not going to see anybody on here just because I'm trying to talk to an author and get an author on here. It's going to be any author I have on here. You can also take as my personal recommendation uh, that they, I've read something of theirs and I've absolutely loved it. Um, so I've I'll, read everything uh, this Sean and Chick has written and I've enjoyed <laughs> well, I would hope so. Um, I did see who was talking the other day. Uh, it was on Twitter, but there was an author... And they'd mentioned the fact that every once in a while people ask them stuff and they're like, you know how many books I've read? I don't remember everything I've read. They actually had one where somebody read it. It's like, that's a, oh wait, I read that. I wrote that, didn't I? Mm-hmm. So. But yes, definitely Shauna McGuire. Uh, check her out. Like I said, there will be a link. This will be up on YouTube tomorrow. Uh, maybe a little bit slightly edited. Any pauses? Any me mispronouncing people's names? I'm just kidding. I'm going to leave that in there. Um, but yeah, that'll be out. Sean, and I'm just going to say, and you don't don't answer me right now, but I'm going to say you have an open invitation. Anytime you've got something coming out and want to hop back on, I'd love to talk about it. We'll have a chance to hopefully by then read Seasonal Fears. I could talk about that a little bit more. You You're are welcome back anytime. Uh, everybody in the chat, obviously welcome anytime. Go ahead and hit the follow button. Uh, and this will be, if you came in late or you felt like you missed anything, this will be up on YouTube sometime probably tomorrow. All right. Um, I think that is it. Thank you for your time. Thank you everybody Thank you on the stream. Me. Have a good time. Going to find this here. I haven't done this in a while. There we go. 
Did you find the button? I found the button.